All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie, you pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will plug into our Drakenjaeger and stomp on your ass. Boom, boom, bitch. (laughs) And now, Howlerpod. Here's hoping this one's worth a wolf cloak. Bah! He'll make us die puppies. Stay sharp, princess. And you, Ruster. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. All right, it's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie. Who are we studying today? Alex and Rona. Wow, pup one, pup two. So cute. <laughs> this is our cutest episode. <laughs> well, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't ship our suits. Wow. Get it? Good one. All right. Alexander of Arcos is a gold, a howler, the son of... Servila, our Arcos, cousin to Lysander Alun, an eldest grandson of Lorne Arcos. He served as Darrow's arch lancer and has lived up to the Arcos name by becoming a razor master, renowned among the Howlers for his martial prowess. He is described as a smirking prodigy and is tall and thin with white blonde hair that flutters behind him like a comet tail. He also has a fine jaw and fair skin. Wow. How you doing, Alex? <laughs> he, so- he sounds like he looks like Rhaegar Targaryen. He also sounds like he's maybe albino. <laughs> 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 Lots of white features. Rona, a Lycos, is a low red from the Mars mining colony of Lycos. She's the eldest daughter of Kieran and the niece of Darrow. In Iron Gold, she's about 20 years old, and she works alongside her father as support for the Howlers. She is described as having a buzzed haircut with a flat nose. Bolts stud her body and allow her to connect to a Drakenjaeger and mimic the mind sink of the blues. Her name means Rough Island in ancient Gaelic per what Lysander told us. <laughs> So uh, as far as their stories go, they both make their first appearance in Iron Gold. Too short of a story for one of them. Basically, they're just part of the Howlers. They follow Darrow on his missions to Deep Grave and Venus, help along the way. Alexander's a little more involved. Rona is kind of cast aside by Darrow to protect her. And then she's a stowaway. And then she, yeah, decides to stow away and... 
And she eats Kit Kats and leaves her candy <laughs> wrapper trail. She gets herself involved. Um, and then they both go to Mercury with Darrow in Dark Age. Um, they kind of serve there with the Howlers. They fight the war. Alex is like out in the field all the time. He's chasing down Atlas. He's getting his ears cut off. Right. He gets captured uh, after saving a whole bunch of people. He saves a bunch of the citizens of Tyche from flooding, sends them off to like Heliopolis. He sends them through like a tunnel. Yeah, like a Hyperloop type situation. And collapses it behind himself to save them. And gets captured by Atlas in the process. Rona's pretty much by Darrow's side the whole time. Um, she gets to pilot a jock and Yanker at one point. Carry people on in their star shells. Right. Uh, yeah, and then once Lysander also gets captured by Atlas and the Gorgons. And then they become fake friends because Lysander uses a fake alias. Mm-hmm. Tricks him. He's a liar. Right. They escape. Alex makes it back along with Lysander to Darrow. And he gets restored and fixed up after being tortured for forever. And then him and Rona go to hang out with Lysander. Bad move. Bad move. It ends up that Lysander was about to try and escape. And so he kills Alex in the process. And he knocks out Rona. And Well, he knocks out Rona, then kills Alex. Right. And Not cool. But at least she wasn't like awake when he got his face blown apart. That would have been worse probably for her. But I guess waking up and seeing it, also Still not great. Still not good. <laughs> anyway, she is very sad me too me too girl um last we saw her she was still in heliopolis we don't know what her fate is at this moment we'll talk more about that later in predictions let's go to our historical connections from our wise and wonderful researcher heather heather says starting off with the more elusive name rona may simply be a feminization of rhone a major river in europe Gaulish in origin, Rhone exhibits a pie root, P-I-E root, meaning to run or roll. Embodying the fluidity of water, Rona Olykos excels at activities far outside the realm of traditional red culture, especially in the context of her gender. Rather than seeking safety away from battle on account of her family ties, Rona fervently defends her right to participate openly in the process of liberation. The force of her passion to contribute in a substantial way to the war effort blazes new trails throughout both Iron Gold and Dark Age alike in a similar manner to how a rushing river carves the earth to reflect its will. In Old Norse, her name means Rough Island, further emphasizing the unique ambition that isolates Rona while simultaneously serving as a beacon to which other low colors are drawn in the hopes of emulating the fire that drives her. Finally, Rona means good spear in Welsh, highlighting her incredible precision and polemic guile when synced with a Drakenjager. On the other hand, Alexander Arcos shares stark similarities with the historic Alexander the Great. Having studied science, philosophy, and medicine under Aristotle, Alexander the Great honed intellectual vitality that spurred him on to challenge the status quo of non-Greeks being thought of and treated as slaves, a rare position at the time in counter to Aristotle's own beliefs. After struggling to gain back the royal seat he was entitled to by blood, Alexander the Great set out to the east to explore territory beyond the known world. It was on these journeys that he earned his reputation as unconquerable in battle. Over 12 years, 
Alexander built an empire that returned a sense of glory that had been absent from Greece since its golden age, centuries earlier. At the young age of 33, however, his life was cut short by disease, and without him as the linchpin, his kingdom balkanized. Nevertheless, he was apotheosized throughout the Mediterranean, and his legacy of military prowess continues to outshine hegemonic prodigies even today. Alexander Aarco similarly grew up under the guidance of his legendary grandfather, Lorne, honorable but resigned to the necessity and normalcy of slavery. Space racist. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> like Alexander the Great, Alexander Aarcos aspired to achieve feats thought to be impossible, often succeeding. As the former attempted to woo the people, so too did the latter by means of service to Darrow and the Republic, repudiating the oppression characteristic of the society and believing wholeheartedly in the egalitarian world of the rising. Despite unparalleled accomplishments, Alexander Aarcos still suffered premature death but his heroism for saving Tyche remains unscathed and will only feed the legend of his greatness, just as the deeds of Alexander the Great amplified his posthumous reputation. In fact, the name Alexander comes from the ancient Greek Alexandros, literally defender of the people, a title both men can certainly fulfill. Wow. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Starting in early on us. <laughs> <laughs> Defender of the people. That's oh, just perfect. Alexander. All right. Let's talk legacy. Let's do it. Okay. So like last week, um, these two characters are also in a similar situation in world where they have to deal with the legacies of their family members. So we talked about that with Pax and Electra, how they have to deal with the weight of that. Alex and Rona ha are in a similar situation. Alex is the grandson of the greatest warrior ever. Rona is the niece of the, like the other greatest warrior ever, or the current, <laughs> yeah, like the, the current, more current <laughs> greatest warrior ever title holder. Alex, he has this whole like Arcos name to uphold. It's in the braiding. <laughs> Could you imagine the pressure of like, what if you're like just didn't like to play with your razor, you know? Well, then you'd be a pixie. <laughs> just like that would and suck. And you'd probably be a pixie who's still alive. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. If you were a grandson of Lorna Arcos and you're like, I'm not super into the uh, razor, I'm not. Well, they, hey, Lorne had a lot guy. of grandchildren. That's true. And he didn't want his kids and grandchildren to be warriors. He mm -hmm. he lost all of his sons That's to fighting. Point. He wants to give them like a regular life. Right. So yeah. I bet Alex is like the only grandson that was trying to be <laughs> Lorne. <laughs> the other ones were just playing with griffins. <laughs> You know? That's true. Uh, that's a good point. Okay. And then we've got Rona, who she has to deal with being the niece of the man that, you know, literally destroyed the society that they live in. She's like, sorry. <laughs> and she wants to <laughs> sorry, prove. Not sorry, not right. sorry. I got bolts. And all she wants to do is prove that she's also useful, that she can help, that she can contribute to this effort, like to this war effort. And she like super resents being treated like a helpless child and as as we've seen she'll put herself in danger's way just to prove that she can also contribute right she doesn't like to be considered like a family member of daryl she wants to prove herself on she her own to be a manner. warrior yeah and daryl's even like you can't have both you can't talk to me like i'm your uncle and then also demand that i treat you like a warrior so he's like so what's it gonna be mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So despite, you know, these very different upbringings that they had, these two actually have a ton in common. And I think that's why they end up liking each other so much. They're both these up-and-coming figures. They both just desperately want to prove themselves, and especially want to prove themselves to Darrow. They both have that in common. It's like kind of a rivalry between the two of them. And then there's also that they want to bang each other. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you get that idea? (laughs) You don't think so? That's pretty aggressive. (laughs) They just want to cuddle. Okay. They're just cats. Okay, fine. Uh, I mean, this is adult content. Naked cuddle. (laughs) 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 We got to keep that explicit title on our Spotify. (laughs) So, yeah, lots, lots in common. And they're both dealing with that legacy of, you know, their family members, basically. Because they have to deal with that, it gives them a lot in common with each other, I think. Which is kind of where their rivalry is born, but also where their friendship is born, which is cool. They're so cute. Okay, so Rona's legacy, Mm -hmm. she's still alive. Right. So at this point, it's mostly undetermined because she's still mourning the loss of Alexander. And while she showed great skill with her fighting and and drachenjägering, (laughs) is that a word? Um, It is now. She's kind of like fallen into the background since Alex's death. Mm -hmm. But I feel like... Pierce will use Rona as one of like the the red army. Like she's she'll be the representative of the fighting red class and we'll hopefully see if not through her eyes then we'll see her um really rallying the reds to fight for themselves. Right. I'm really interested to see what her reaction is to Alex's death. We saw her initial reaction, obviously, she's like devastated. But uh, I want to see, like, overall, once that pain and some of that grief goes away, like, what's her next action? And probably a lot of that is just going to depend on her status. And we'll get to that in the predictions. As far as her, like, personal legacy for us as fans right now, I think the most important parts of Rona's character are that she just really illustrates the this idea of, like, the fight in the Reds. She ties Darrow back to his roots and family. She's like Darrow's Mars dirt in human form. That's actually a really good comparison. I love that. She ensures that, you know, Red, the ideas of Red, his family, his ties to Mars, like you said, she ensures that those things are always on his mind. So, you know, that was a danger in the first trilogy is Darrow kind of forgetting where he came from. And... (laughs) Hooking up with the girls. <laughs> right. And um, it's an impression that someone like Lyria has on him 10 years later that he's forgotten about Red. Yeah, like, he, they're like, he's not a Red. He's clearly a gold. Look at him. Right. But because he has Rona in his life, she really reminds him of where he came from, really. And it's super important. And his responsibility important. to his family. Great point. And then as far as Alex goes. He's dead. R.I.P. Alex. Okay, so for me personally, Alex, like, he represents the greatest that gold can be. He's, like, everything that they're capable of but have thrown away in their quest for power and glory. He's selfless. He's courageous. He's loyal. 
He's not space racist. Yeah, he's a total fucking badass fighter. He fights for those that cannot fight for themselves, and he like truly believes in the mission of the rising. He's almost like the m- fullest believer in the mission of the rising. He's like the poster boy for real for <laughs> for golds and what they should be. Right. If if the rising was going to do like commercials with endorsements. Their number one endorsement should be with Alex. He's like the Ken doll of the <laughs> rising. <laughs> he is the evolution of gold. Like, this is where gold should go. Uh, I think this is why Darrow struggles so much with, quote unquote, like using him as a piece on the board. I think he realizes how important he is. Obviously, he cares about him, but he also knows that he's probably going to die fighting this for this thing that Darrow started that Alex shouldn't even have to like you know be a part of i think for darrow too alex is darrow's like second chance for what he messed up with cassius like alex to me was always like a baby cassius yeah especially to darrow so darrow you know he craves that brotherhood and he finds that in all the howlers but i feel like he really finds that in alex and then he he's clearly trying to like not mess up by Alex. Right, like he, he like holds Cassis. him at an arm's length because yeah. he's scared of that. He doesn't want to hurt him. Right, and so when when Alex does have to pay, you know, like the ultimate price, you know, we as readers and Darrow also wonders like, should Alex have to pay that price? I think what is difficult for Darrow to accept, as that person, just kind of like what um, Aaron was alluding to, and also for us as readers. We have to accept that Alex has agency in that choice. He's willing to pay the price. And and he shows that when he tells Darrow, he's like, I'm going to go save all those people in Taiki. And that's when Darrow gives him the wolf cloak. Right. Because that's when Darrow sees he does have that agency. He's his own person, and he's, he's clearly a howler. Right. And he's taken on this mission because it's personal to him. He's not being forced to do anything. Yeah, and he's not like trying to impress Darrow. He's just doing what's right. Exactly. He this is coming from he's inside. He's fucking of, honorable. He's more honorable than Lorne. Right. This is coming from inside Alex. And what Darrow thinks is, you know, I think his initial impression is that Alex just wants to impress him or wants to live up to a legacy of of Arcos or whatever. But I don't see that in Alex. I see Alex like this is who he is. This is who he wants to be. This is the environment that he grew up in. And he's, he's had a lot of different influences, but he made he's like, he's made his own choices. Like he was willing to sacrifice himself to save those innocent lives. And from what we know about Alex, I think he would make that decision a hundred times out of a hundred, no matter what. Yes. And so, yes, it super sucks. He got shot in the head by Lysander. Oh, does it? He, Deserves so much better than that. That wasn't a hat moment, was it, Pierce? <laughs> you need to stop with the hat of death. <laughs> but there's two things I think that that death think um, like shows us. I think it fits the vibe of Dark Age. It's like I know I I actually was like kind of numb at that point. The first read, right? And I was it, like, oh great, there we go, another one dead. I think it illustrates like a point that Pierce is trying to make about war. And war in Dark Age, especially, it's horrible, it's ugly, it's hell. Um, and unless you're Darrow and Mustang, you really don't have plot armor. Right. And then it's also like this 
Lysander's just frankly a more important character than Alexander. So this is we've got to remember how the other side of this interaction works. That tells us a million things about Lysander, and it's a huge it's really moment for his character. It's really a moment when a lot of people decide to say the words, fuck Lysander. Right. That's like where the fuck Lysander movement was born, pretty right. much. Like, my brother was like, why don't you like Lysander? He's so cool. <laughs> and I'm like, keep reading. <laughs> like, that's really where you see, oh, Lysander's willing to throw away life and this, like, amazing life just to to meet his ends. Right. Which he thinks are more important. It's the classic heel turn in wrestling. He becomes a bad guy. Full He's on. a heel. Yeah. And and so this is the rub. Like Alex Alex was willing to die for this cause that he really has no business fighting for at all. Like and that right there, like Alex doesn't need to be here. He could be living a life of luxury as a gold. He could be on Lauren's Island. He could switch sides and literally be like a god for the society. But he doesn't do any of that. He and could he could have sex. <laughs> with Atalantia. <laughs> and those t- those things, those choices, the choices that Alex makes, not the influence over Alex. It's the choices that Alex makes, I think is what makes him so beautiful as a character. You know, that's what that's what makes him so great and that's the reason we we love him so much. You know, like I said, he could switch sides and he would be a god living a life of luxury and power instead he's chosen a life of service and hardship and fighting for you know people who need him that's something that anybody can strive for regardless of your own personal physical gifts like alex has or not like ultimately what makes his character so endearing and heartbreaking is the choice that he made to serve like a bigger and better cause than himself team alex do you think we nailed it i think we nailed it all right, let's talk predictions. Okay, where is Rona? So this is like the question, right? She didn't fly away with Darrow. We know that. I think either she's been captured or she's on the run on Mercury. Or she's just like hanging out on Mercury. What if she's not on the run? What if she's just there? <laughs> just chilling like at a pool. Like waiting. <laughs> like where did Darrow go? They uh, could not have escaped the planet. Like that would have been extremely difficult. Well, she has to be with a contingent of Reds who were left behind when the fighting happened. Right. And so at the end of Dark Age, if you remember, Darrow sends Callaway, Zichar, back to where the rest of his army is, basically where he came from. He sends him back there in the Morning Star. And so one of the last things like Darrow wonders when that Cassius chapter happens is like, did Callaway make it? Like, what's going on over there? Did the Morning Star make it over there? So we've got Darrow escaping on an invisible ship. So he can probably get past, like, the planetary blockade going on of society remnant. But, like, there's no way the Morning Star is going to be able to make it... Past Atalantia. Past Atalantia in space. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have done it already. Right. So what so I would trapped. guess... But what if... So Lysander meets back up with his auntie-slash-wife... And is like, hey, Darrow took off. What if they all turn away from Mercury (laughs) 
to go after Darrow. That's true. They could be chasing. And then it leaves a dark spot for Rona and Calloway to escape. Right. So, yeah, that's the situation currently. Is like, my guess is that she's probably captured. By the Gorgons? Do you think she has a pullover bet? Hmm. I don't think she's going to die. I don't think you can kill both Alex and Rona. Like, she needs to carry on. The much more tragic thing... I don't think thing, Pierce has rules for who dies. <laughs> right. But he does have rules for causing pain to us. And the much more tragic thing is to let L- Rona live on knowing that Alex is dead. Oh, so you're saying we'll, be, we'll have more pain if she lives. Yes. I think that's a more painful situation okay. for us as readers and for her as a character. <laughs> and not her being, like, tortured. No, I'm saying she's alive, yeah. but she's, like, tortured by Alex's death. If she was just, like... And the Fear Knight. Yeah. If she was just, like, killed, then, you know, she kind of gets, like, a free escape. I don't like your predictions. <laughs> They're very dark. My prediction is she's having a Mai Tai. She's waiting for Atalantia to turn her back so she can sneak off the planet. Then she's going to do some sneaky stowaway shit again. Yeah. And she's going to pop back up when we least expect it on the Oculus. And she's going to team up with Lyria. And these two little red bitches are going to save the society. Wow. Double red team up. I like that. Boom, boom. Yeah. So, I mean, you didn't let me finish my prediction. but It was so dark. (laughs) Well, she's captured. But I think, like, Daryl's going to think that he needs to try and rescue her. And so he's going to send resources to do that. But Rona is going to engineer her own escape. She's going to save herself. She's going to pop up at a moment when Daryl needs her and just be like, bitch, I did it myself. And he's going to be like, wow, you really earned... But she's going to do that bitch move with your arms in <laughs> the Drakenjager. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets a giant Drakenjager-sized wolf pelt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would need to come off of <laughs> a beastie that was Well, I was just thinking like 100 wolves. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wipe out the whole wolf population on every planet. <laughs> They're gonna go extinct for these wolf pelts. It's gonna be a pretty badass wolf belt cloak though. Sure. Okay. Like a calico looking one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I don't know what her role is in book six, but I think she's going to be captured and like used as a hostage. To like taunt Darrow, you know, like we've got your niece here. Kind of like um, Orion was. Yes. So maybe we'll find Rona without fingers. Then she's going to go genocidal. <laughs> then she's going to kill everybody. <laughs> it's going to be great. I well, like my prediction better. Let's see what happens. All right. Let's move on to the prime five. Our top five best character moments for Rona and Alex. All right. Our number five moment. So this is a couple like in combat moments for the two of them. Pew, pew. <laughs> That's my dragon ear. <laughs> <laughs> zoom, zoom. That's this the razor. Is, I didn't even have to use Draken Jaeger yet. We're saving that for later. So one moment from each of them. We get this great moment at the beginning of Dark Age during the prologue where... Where tongueless gets cuts into four pieces. <laughs> that is. You mean that part? <laughs> that is the part. We're saving Orion, and Rona comes through with this like huge like kind of hell diver drilling through the side of the ship, 
Your hell diving fingers are really creepy. <laughs> They're drilling into the side of the ship right now. Stop moving. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like giving me spirit fingers. And she plants the explosives, helps them. Wait, save I have to do Orion. it. I have to bring it on quote. These aren't spirit fingers. These <laughs> are spirit fingers. I hope you can see what I'm doing. My spirit fingers are better. Your spirit fingers don't drive a drocky dick. Sorry. Don't drive a claw drill. Can't drive a claw drill with spirit fingers, you freaking idiot. Okay. So she gets this great moment where she's like integral to the team succeeding. And she has to come through basically. Like the whole plan is on Rona to get to the right spot at the right time, plant the explosives, and break Orion out of there. She does it. Boom. Boom. Goes the dynamite. And then we have this great moment where we see Alex and his just amazing fighting prowess. And this is during the battle at the Isle of the Gorgons in Iron Gold. Gorgon Isle. Gorgon Isle. It's um, kind of like Harry Potter. Dagon Alley. Dagon Alley. Dagon Alley. Gorgon Isle. I'm having like a Harry Potter seizures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just working on your accents. <laughs> oh, by the way, after I listened to West Cork, that podcast, mm-hmm. my Irish accent was like on point. Oh, wow. Too late. You can bring it back for Rona right now if you want. I mean, <laughs> by on point, I mean like probably not great. Okay. Good enough for you. At 30, 33. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the most bullshit thing is my name, Aaron, means Ireland. And first of all, I'm not fucking Irish. And second of all, Irish accents are so hard to imitate. The end. What were we talking about? <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Gorgon Isle. Gorgon Isle. Back to Alex. Yeah. So they're, they're like invading the Isle and everybody's getting fucked up. Basically, Daryl's about to get killed and he looks over and it's like, Alex is the only one that's like untouched. He's like flooding through everybody. He's pure white Kendall. <laughs> He's razoring. Is that, dude, is that and what your razor is? Yeah. Ben is doing the robot over here. That's not the robot. I was like doing a mix of karate robot. But it's very stiff. I was trying to look like I was in a star show. You're not like flowing though. You know? Like Alex would be. Well, I'm also sitting down. Okay. Okay. You should practice your razor skills with. Lorna Argus. Bring it on. <laughs> Go to the number four moment. Okay. <laughs> that was a great number five. Great yes. job, Ben. <laughs> Lots of visuals. So number four moment is the relationship. <laughs> We're shipping them before he died. Um, all of the moments where they're like being like snotty to each other, but they're clearly flirting. Yes. And I'm, and you know, Daryl's like, okay. It's like extremely sixth grade flirting. Oh yeah. Like she <laughs> kicks him in the shins and he's like, he's like, you hurt me. And it's like, she likes me. Yeah, and just then the, just the fact that she calls him princess all the time is oh, great. Yeah, and he calls her Ruster. Yeah. It's so cute. Like what a great love story cut <laughs> short too soon. Um, the best one though is when Alex saves Rona from the nuke, and that's literally like risking your life to save people. Right. He's in the star shell. Rona's exposed. Darrow yells at him. Darrow's having a 
the the parachute guy boil alive in front of him. He's got his own issues with the guy's like eyeballs boiling, boiling right in front of his face. And Rona would have boiled if not for Alex right. swooping her up. Saves her. Saves How her life. How fucking cute is that? <laughs> Saved her from eye boils. And he's just like, he does it like immediately. As soon as Daryl's like, like, oh, she's there's in a trouble. nuke? And then Alexander's Bye. just like on it. He's like, fuck parachute guy who's stuck <laughs> in Darrow's helmet. Even if Darrow was the one out, I'm pretty sure Alex would still go for Rona. <laughs> All right. That takes us to our number three moment. This is like a lot of Jager, the bolts related stuff. So this is also when we really see the depth of Lysander's space racism. That's true. So Rona, she gets to Jager. It's cool that she gets to do this. I mean, like the Jagers are really fucking badass. But let's talk about Rona. Not only does she Jager, she has like permanent bolts. She fucking shaved her head. She's just a total badass. Right. She probably has, like... She's like, I can do this, man. She probably has rusty tattoos. <laughs> Not, like, blue, like, sleek tattoos, but, like, right. you know, real... In Hardcore. The dirt. Yeah. Like, like tattoos that, like, connect <laughs> her bolts together. <laughs> That'd be cool. So she gets her Jager moment. And then Alex also... So this is another, like, combat one. Alex also gets a great moment where... It's early on in the battles on Mercury, and they are fighting Scorpio Avotum, and he's like inside of a Titan, which is like even like a larger, like Jager type situation. A super Drak. Yeah, and Daryl just lets him take it down, and he goes up there and pulls the guy out, and he just says, "Hiding in a Titan, what a pixie." <laughs> <laughs> he like holds the guy this like old guy up yeah. by the scruff of his neck and doesn't he like have a flag or something yeah he takes his standard back to the institute <laughs> except real life hiding in a titan what a pixie <laughs> hey if i were there i would also be in that titan that's true and i just and I love am a pixie right <laughs> <laughs> and i just love like alex just completely like bald ass embarrassing this really old school iron gold yeah iron gold guy okay number two on our list is uh when we find out that alex is still alive after he had been captured what a moment and then he has an epic escape from the gorgons when they're going across the desert on the grav bike right and everyone's shooting at him and they're like Lower the shield. <laughs> he's calling out to Daryl. He's calling out to Daryl, calling out to Daryl, and he can't get in touch with him. And then it's like, <laughs> like Daryl comes over, and you're just like, ah! He's like, Alex? <laughs> and then um, the reunion of everybody once right. they wait, once they do get in, right? <laughs> it is cut short again. But let's think of the happiness in that moment. And then Alex gets to get his ears back he gets all fixed up gets his teeth yeah but the great moment there in that reunion is darrow telling you know alex or like offering alex a a peerless scar and him saying him refusing it he's like i've got enough scars he says i know what i am like yeah you do don't need that shit that's so great i don't need that pixie scar on my face just give me a fucking wolf cloak already (laughs) Actually, he did give him a wolf. Yeah, and then Alex gives it back to him. It's 
how did he lose his ears and his teeth, but he kept and his nose, right? But he kept a hold. I think he had his nose. He doesn't have his ear or ears and teeth. Yeah. And he kept the wolf cloak. <laughs> well, it was like on the wall, and he grabbed it. Atlas is the one who took it. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. So he grabbed it back to him, and yeah, and then you get that great moment where he says, "Like I know what I am." It's just like, Gah! yes, Alex. He's so pumped up. He's such an he iron gold. He doesn't even need a scar to prove it. Exactly. And then, like you know, two chapters later, he's dead. So it's great. Stop reminding <laughs> us. What's number one, Ben? Our number one moment. It's just like. And I like cried when I read this the first time. It was so freaking emotional. Alex choosing to save the people of Tyche from the oncoming flood caused by genocidal Orion. And him slash kind of Darrow. <laughs> yeah. Him just choosing to do that and Daryl giving him the wolf pelt and just like how charged and emotional that, that moment is. He's like walking off to his most certain death, pretty much. And it's something ballsy and heroic that younger Darrow would have done. I don't even know if younger Darrow would have done it. Like, he's almost too calculated. That's he, true. And, and Darrow, I think, recognizes that he, especially in the earlier b- books, that he has to stay alive in order for the rising to work. Right. So, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Alex and his knights like literally accept this challenge, and they're just doing it knowing full well that it's probably going to end up in their death, but that they're going to be able to save all of these people. And they save like, I don't know, 70, 80,000 people or something like that. It's uh, so many that then when they all turn on Darrow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that part of it sucks for sure. Thanks for saving all these people. <laughs> who the complications of war, baby. Who then go and try to kill us, even though we gave them our last radiation meds. Right. And then after Alex makes that decision, you know, get this really heartbreaking and just like heartrending moment be- from Rona where she's just standing by the tunnel, standing by the tunnel, standing by the tunnel, like watching, waiting for him to come back. And he won't. Daryl has to like go up and talk to her. And you're just like, she knows that he's gone or whatever. She's like, okay, bye. You know, she totally loves him. And ship him out. They're <laughs> in love. It's just so sweet. That whole moment especially i'm surprised she didn't sneak away and try to go with him right yeah that's a good point uh it's just that i love that relationship between alex and darrow and just like the respect in that moment and um how that all plays out is is just really incredible great writing by pierce pierce brown is a great writer take a drink okay let's uh let's go on to primer pixie ha ha let's try to call these two a pixie did Alex and Rona survive the Howlerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. All right, let's go to the Howlers. Howler mailbag. What's up, Howlers? Our first email is from our wonderful friend from across the pond, Nick Brenlow. He says, okay, bear with me on this one. We know that Pierce bases a lot of his characters on other literary sources, often from antiquity. However, when it comes to Alexander and Rona, I wonder if he's actually taking a leaf out of Jane Austen, specifically Pride and Prejudice. Alexander works as a rough analogy for Darcy. They're both rich, both from families with long traditions, and both have a high opinion of themselves. This pride can be seen in Alexander and his consistent grooming 
and his constant razor training to conceal the notion that his skills are earned rather than innate. It's also seen in his less lovely characteristics, such as his need to prove he's the smartest person in the room. Just look at his evaluation of the fleet composition over Venus. Interestingly, this behavior is often triggered by Rona's presence, again, just like Darcy with Elizabeth. Moreover, Alexander, like Darcy, is struggling with his legacy and the need to maintain its perceived status. As such, for both men, a relationship with a lower class of individual would be unthinkable, irrespective of how they truly feel. Similarly, Rona, like Elizabeth, is defined by her competency, her refusal to accept defeat, and by her forthright nature. Likewise, the two women are governed by their prejudices against the potential love interests, prejudices gleaned from a surface reading of these men and their social positions. These prejudices are so strong that it takes a true act of self-sacrifice for them to be overcome. For Elizabeth, it's Darcy's assistance of her sister Lydia. For Rona, it's Alexander's mission to save the people of Tyche. In both these cases, neither sets of characters were able to become their full selves without a willingness to change the paradigm of their perceptions. When they did so, they were able to find a happiness and fulfillment that might otherwise have been denied them. This is ultimately what makes them prime. The tragedy is that they are only able to enjoy it for the briefest of moments. My hope is that Rona is able to be rescued from the remains of the Morning Star and that this prejudice-free woman is able to offer some extreme prejudice on behalf of her lost love. Whoa. First of all, Nick, that's a fantastic email. I'm pretty sure he's an English teacher. And so... Nick is? It makes a lot of sense. He's not only our British friend, but he teaches English? Pretty sure. That makes a lot of sense. It's a mind fuck. Bring up Pride and Prejudice because that's like classic English class. Great novel. movie, by the way. Okay, Ben, which Pride and Prejudice movie do you like best? Because I like the one with Colin Firth, and that's actually a TV show. Oh, really? I don't think I've seen yes, that one. Bennett, that lady is annoying, but you should watch it. It's 1995, like mini TV series. It's so good. This weekend, get a <laughs> bottle of wine, cry your fucking eyes out, buddy. It's so good, right, Nick? Is there one with Keira Knightley in it? Yeah, that's the movie. That's that has true. a great soundtrack. Like, I love... That's the, the only one I've seen. I love the beautiful piano music. However, I I think I like the 1995 mini TV series better. If I remember right, Nick is an, an English teacher, so I'm not sure if that's right or not. <laughs> but I do want to let him know that I've actually read the novel, so... So have I. I've done the homework. I've done all of it. <laughs> Fuck you. I love Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> what do you think about his comparison, then? So I see what he's saying. I think it is a good comparison. Obviously, in Pride and Prejudice, the story comes to fruition and we see them get married in the end. Spoiler alert. But for this storyline, I feel like there's less pressure from outside family to, one, get married if you're a poor woman. Right. And two, to marry your above or at your station if you're Mr. Darcy. So it's it's... Similar, I see what he's saying, but it's they don't have as much of the like outside world pressure because in this new world, everyone's cool with reds and golds right. getting it on. It's much more like just about the specific character motivations, and I think that totally works. I love that comparison between the two of them. Hey, if we want to like psychoanalyze Pride and Prejudice, I'm here for it. <laughs> well, Nick, give me a call. <laughs> yeah. Email Let's Nick talk. back. Yeah. Okay, next up. Thanks, Nick. We have Stephanie 
for Pup 1 and Pup 2, Stephanie says, there's no question that Alexander and Rona are prime. Alex has honor. He went back to save the peasants, the peasants, (laughs) you peasants, from the flood. Few other golds would do that, and he refused the scar Darrow was going to give him. I love that scene so much. I know what I am. I have one word for Rona, Drakenjaeger, that makes her a prime badass. My prediction for book six is she did make it to the Morning Star. Given her reaction to Alex's vicious murder, she's going to be grieving him. She'll be angry and put that into her fighting. I hope that it doesn't get her killed, but this is Pierce we're talking about. I totally saw something between Alex and Rona, and I shipped it. Even Darrow said, for two people who can't stand each other, they certainly found enough reasons to always be in the same room. They teased and mocked each other in a schoolyard way. Stephanie, we're like mind melding right here. Uh, She says it's so sad they didn't move past that stage to really have something more. Damn it, Pierce. It's not fair. Can't we have nice things? No. No. (laughs) Pierce said no. Sorry, Stephanie. All right. This next question is adult content. So earmuffs. Earmuffs, babies. Uh, This comes from our friend Christopher. Um, He says, how the hell were Rona and Alexander supposed to have sex? She's supposedly, you know, four feet tall and he's like seven feet tall. So let's talk anatomy here. Let's answer important questions. First of all, I don't think they got to sex. For sure. They're still in the, like, they're talking, they're texting, but, you know. Mostly texting. They're not banging it out. Yeah. They're sending each other, like, memes. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, (laughs) Alex is probably, like, six foot four. He's not seven feet tall. He's probably somewhere. He's shorter than Darrow. Darrow's around, yeah, 6'11 or 6'10. Thirdly, like... Have you not seen those couples of like I was gonna a say. fucking NBA, <laughs> an NBA player and a, a little little she's probably about shorty. five feet five and a half feet somewhere in there. I'm just saying it works out when you're horizontal, Christopher. That's true. The will is there. I think that there is a way. There is a way. <laughs> also, he died before they were able to copulate. So she's still looking at the me- last meme that he sent her, and she's like L- crying she, over it. She all she wrote back was "lol," and now she wishes she said more. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our final Howler mailbag item. This is from our friends at Hail Reaper Pod from Philip. Yes, Philip is a known giant Alexander fan. And so I actually reached out to him personally. I was like, you have to. You got to write in, bro. You got to write in. Um, he actually called in. So let's play a voicemail. The single greatest moment in the entire Red Rising saga to date comes in Chapter 15 of Dark Age. Not because it carries the satisfaction of victory or because it brings about a shocking revelation but because it shows the greatness of what gold was created to be. The leaders, the shepherds, and the caretakers of society. Alexander Al Arcos becomes immortal in this moment. He understands the burden of gold and embraces it, and in turn, denounces the tradition of former gold generations and their hunger for glory and power. When Alex requests to save the low colors of Tyche from the storm gods, Darrow responds by saying, Why are you doing this? They're just baked peasants. 
And Alec's reply is, even peasants don't float, sir. In the middle of a war, he decides to help the civilians of a city and a planet he has no prior connection to. He does this because he knows that this is the version of gold that the planet needs. Not the warrior or the conquering hero, but a human that is willing to sacrifice for others. This is just the tip of this whole sequence. I could go on and on, but the point is clear. Alexander is not just Prime. He alone is more Prime than anyone in all of Red Rising. He exemplifies the purity of gold in a previously unseen way. Prime to hell and back. Hail Reaper. Hail Arcos. Wow. Of course, Philip's got to just send in... Some background music. Yeah, he's got to have great production on, on his message. He the, the music always brings me back to Stranger Things. <laughs> and then I'm like, man, I really need to rewatch that again. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. I need to go to the upside down. Excuse me. Thank you, Philip. That was very well said. Alex... As Philip implied, is very prime. He is. And I think that is like, we kind of touched on this earlier as well. He's the primest. That is his best moment right there. I love that Phil is willing to go out on a limb and just say he alone is more prime than anyone in all of Red Rising. That's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I love Alex as much as the boys do. Oh, you think it's like a boy thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I was sad when he died, but I'm more sad. Let's unpack that. Why is it a boy's thing? Because he's like the Han Solo. He's like the... <laughs> he's not Han he's Solo. He's like the hero that you wish you could be. <laughs> but I'm more like looking at Rona <laughs> and, like, Lyria and Mustang. Like, they're my heroes. Okay. So you're seeing Alex in yourself. Like, we all just want to be Alex is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I totally get it. Like, like the golden boy. I feel it. You right. want to be the Kendall of the Rising. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> All right. It's up to us now. It's up to us to decide this very highly debated Primer Pixie. <laughs> was, it was tough. All right. Let's start with Rona. Aaron, what's the case for Rona as a Prime? Uh, the case for Rona is that even though she's born red in the mines, and also not only that, but has this uncle who overshadows her entire life and really changes the course of her and her family's life, she still becomes her own person. She still decides to be a warrior, even though she could stay home and not be in danger. And even though like she's seen all the death and destruction that comes from war, she runs into the fire. She runs towards danger. She wants to help. She wants to be part of the movement. And another case for that's not as important is she's got a cool haircut. <laughs> <laughs> she's got bolts. And she can plug into a fucking badass dragon Yeager. Yeah, like a giant robot. She basically is a cyborg. Once she plugs in, she becomes a cyborg. And that's fucking cool. <laughs> that's the case for. <laughs> what is the case against? Uh, let's see. The case against Rona is that she's probably like a little hot-headed, right? And she gets herself involved in some things maybe she shouldn't. She's stowed away. But I don't know. I don't think that's really a bad thing. I said Kit Kat, but our Kit Kat... Kit Kat's international because I feel like I should have said she was eating like Kinder Buenos 
Have you had a Kinder Bueno? Because fuck, I fuck with Kinder Buenos. Oh my God, they're so good. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. I have dreams about Kinder Buenos. (laughs) And they just started selling them in the States within the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I'm just snatching them up whenever I see them. Wow. All right, well, you heard it, everybody. Send Aaron some Kinder Buenos. I'm not kidding. <laughs> when I was on a cruise ship, I bought them, and then I like couldn't find them again. Okay, back to the case against. Oh, that was a poor case. She hates Kinder Buenos. And no, I'm saying that's what she was eating when she was <laughs> stowing away. So the case against is that she's not great at following orders. Right, she's um, a little insubordinate. She's very independent but that makes her um not a great team player she's definitely like wants to do what she thinks is right right so darrow kind of has to put her in her place when he tells her to clean basically (laughs) you know like if you want to be a soldier then you don't get privileged right so if you want to be treated like a soldier you gotta fucking act like one you gotta poop the deck what do you call it (laughs) sweep the poop I have no idea. It seems like you're almost there, though. <laughs> Keep going. Mop, <laughs> mop the poop deck. <laughs> there's there's something you're supposed there to do. There is say. something about a poop deck, isn't there? I don't know. I didn't I'm do I'm not sure. On right show. in on that one. <laughs> Let us know. There's a poop deck. <laughs> what do you do with it? You're supposed to mop it. <laughs> All right. Is Rona prime or is she pixie? Rona is clearly prime. Clearly prime. I agree. She's clearly prime. All right. Alexander Arcos. I'll make the case for it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Since, since I'm a boy. And you I'm, made, and I, I made the case for him. and against Rona. So right. you get to do both for Alex. I'll do it. I'll do it. I think Phil from Hell Reaper really summed it up perfectly. Like he's all that gold can be. He represents like the evolution of gold. Like I said earlier, um, this is what we want from them. They should be leading people uh, into the future uh, on a more even playing field. And that's what Alexander is fighting for. He is brave. He's selfless. He is amazing with a razor. And I wish that he was still alive. Same. The case against? I mean, he's kind of a dickhead, right? Please expand. Well, I mean, he's just kind of a cocky asshole. Especially when I first meet him. But... Maybe it's, like, part of his personality. To be a cocky asshole? I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't say that. Why? Because that's mean. To Alexander? You shouldn't be mean to the deceased. I think that Alexander would... I think that dark age Alexander that's been through some shit, he would accept that critique from me. He'd be like, yeah, dude, I was a fucking dickhead back in the day. But he's, he's humbled himself... And I think it's that moment when he goes and saves the people from Taiki shows the amount of growth uh, that he went through from the spoiled kind of smarmy dude smarmy. in Iron Gold where he's like, ha, you didn't know that this legion changed over to that legion, dummy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that type of shit. Or what, what about when he like talks about breeding with, um apollonius that's a great point yes he's like comparing his genes to apple's genes yeah and he's like i have better genes than you right and then apple's like finally (laughs) finally a gold i can actually compare myself to and he's like not so fast 
bitch, my jeans are way better than yours. Right. And yes. then <laughs> that's Severo's the like rolling his eyes. <laughs> like, who gives a fuck? Yes, that's the type of shit that I'm talking about. I love that. I love <laughs> Apple in every scene. Okay, so then what? what's your assessment? Alexander is prime AF. He gets a pr- AF distinction. I agree. He's totally prime. And as a couple... Oh wow, we're we're shipping them. We're we're, we're saying sh- they're they're we're shipping them as prime. Right. Prime shipment on the poop deck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into this week? You guys have to stop, get a piece of paper, listen to me, because you're not gonna regret this. Okay. I've got my piece of paper out. Okay, so I did this this weekend. If you've ever heard of sip and paint where you like go to a studio, you know, with your bitches, you bring your own wine or your beer and you paint and someone like tells you what to paint. Right. You've probably like seen that online if you haven't done it. Definitely seen the Facebook posts. Sure. It's really fun. It's great for like bachelor parties. You've done it with me, Ben. We did it together. (laughs) (laughs) Like, have you done it? Yeah. I like sat across from you. It's. It's a great way to get drunk and like have an activity. Anyways, because of COVID, you can do it at home now. And I found this amazing website where everything is free. So you can uh, watch the videos for free. And you can even do a paint by numbers where you actually print out a pattern that you then trace. If you're so if you're not artistic. I was going to say, is that for like the six year olds? or No, but that's what I did. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and it looks great. So the website is plaidonline.com. That's plaid, P-L-A-I-D, online.com. And then just go to the projects page. And then there's Let's Paint Live. And then there's the paint by number and everything. They uh, She also posts videos of like painting ornaments, how to paint like a wreath. There's like so much shit on here and it's all free. It's amazing that she posts these videos for free. But if you need an activity, especially like if you're cooped up at home because of COVID or if like you and your small circle of friends are tired of playing fucking Cards Against Humanity or whatever bullshit you're doing, (laughs) like this is such a rewarding thing to do with your friends or by yourself. That sounds great. Plaidonline.com. You got to do it. You're so wholesome. Thank you. <laughs> Have you seen my painting? It's fucking sick. Dude. I did the lemons. <laughs> They're good looking lemons. All right. Well, I'll, I'll follow up on that. Okay. What are you into, Ben? Okay. I'm into two things again, but they're related this time. Okay. So it's better. I'm into this movie. I watched a movie the other night called Hard Eight, and it's by one of my favorite directors ever. His name is Paul Thomas Anderson. He did like Boogie Nights. There Will Be Blood, The Master, Phantom Thread. I think I've talked about this on the pod before. I love movies. I love movie making. I really admire a lot of different directors. It's kind of like a thing that I'm really into. And so I hadn't seen... This is his first movie. I had not seen it yet. It's really good. It's about like an old school gambler type guy that takes in a young dude that's like really down on his luck and like shows him the ropes of like how to make it in the casinos did you learn how to gamble a little bit no i learned how to like get free comped hotel from uh uh, a vegas casino 
Let's do it. Yeah. It's got a great cast. It's from the 90s, so it's like a lot of like younger versions of people that you know really well. So it's got like John C. Riley's in it, Gwyneth Paltrow's in it, um, Samuel L. Jackson, and then this dude named Philip Baker Hall is, is the main character uh, named Sydney. Anyway, it's a great movie. What goes along with that, and this is a good idea, if you've got like a film buff in your life that needs a Christmas gift, I would definitely suggest this book. It's called Masterworks, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson Masterworks by... Uh, the writer is named Adam Naiman. He's a really great like movie critic and writer about film. I love reading his stuff. I have another one of his books all about the Coen Brothers movies. This book, Masterworks, is all about Paul Thomas Anderson's filmography. And so it like, t- takes you inside the movie, like the production of it. And you get like all these cool interviews and um, reporting on how the movie was made and the story behind it and just like how it was developed and all that stuff. It's just really cool if you're into like really super film nerd type stuff just checking are you trying to hint that you want me to buy this for you for christmas oh i already bought it I okay it. good, I good. Yeah. just making sure so that's hard eight the movie mm-hmm. masterworks by adam Naiman, mm-hmm. and the sip and paint at home for free except for your materials which is pladonline.com all right, Ben, what is coming up next on HowlerPod? Okay, we're getting down to it, guys. We've got two episodes left. It's the final countdown. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a plan. So the plan is this. We're going to take next week off for Thanksgiving. That's an American holiday that we here celebrate. Uh, and we eat ham and turkey until our pants burst. There's Canadian Thanksgiving, too. But it's different. And it's different holiday. It's different. It's day, a different right? day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So happy United States Thanksgiving. <laughs> so we're gonna be off for Thanksgiving next week. We're also gonna take the week after. So we're gonna no new episodes for the next two weeks. In the meantime, we're gonna be working on a supersized double finale of character studies. We're gonna have Lysander, Aloon on December 11th, and then we're gonna end with Darrow on December 18th. Darrow is um, the main character of the book. <laughs> if you've heard of him. Uh, so we're going to have some giant megapods. We expect so many emails, so many voicemails. I want to just like buried in them. Inundated. Yeah. Bury me in voicemails, baby. On the poop deck. <laughs> <laughs> going to sink the ship because we have so many voicemails and emails. We're also going to have like a boatload of special guests on our poop deck as well. We might even have a duel in the bleeding place. Ooh. Wow. I'm going to murder you. <laughs> We're not the ones dueling. Ooh. Ooh. The plot thickens. This is a tease. So stay tuned. Hold on for two weeks. We're going to be back December 11th, December 18th with Lysander and Daryl. Get your thoughts in. I really want like that Lysander episode. Come on. I want to hear from Lysander sympathizers. That's what I want. I need the Lysander defenders. This is your time. This is your time to make your case and to be heard. Because I will, I'll help you out here. I'll read all of your emails. I want to know why Lysander is prime. All right. December 11th, Lysander, December 18th. Darrow, Aaron, go. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Find links to all of this and more at howlerpod.com. 
Tell a friend about the podcast and spread the word about the books. Rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will give you a new set of chompers and then shoot you in the face. All right. Thank you to Heather, our wise and wonderful researcher, for all her hard work researching the characters and their historical connections. And thanks always to Miles for the amazing episode art. Thank you, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh. Oh.